see what current events are happening. I, I have you seen that a lot of uh, people are gonna do that Ken Bone. I was gonna ask you if you're gonna go as Ken Bone. Nah, that's what <laughs> everyone's doing. Nah, it, it'll be good though, and it'll be a hit. Everyone will love it, and they'll just be everywhere. How easy? They'll is just that? be everywhere. You just need a, a red sweater and a mustache. Mm-hmm. And glasses. And some glasses. Mm-hmm. I probably could make it happen in my closet. Exactly. One of our coworkers yesterday showed up wearing a red uh, sweater, uh, <laughs> and he wears glasses, and everyone called him out as Ken Bone. <laughs> what a cool name. I love the internet. That's a wonderful thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do this thing. All right. Dun, 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 dun. <clears throat> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show, American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted. What's up, everyone? Halfway through. Halfway through, episode five. Man, this season is going by quickly. I guess that's what happens when you chop episodes, well, when you chop seasons down. Right. Um, Can't believe we're already at the halfway point here. Um... I have a zillion questions, as I'm sure you do. <laughs> I do too because the way this episode ended, it was very. I I have so many questions too of like what are they gonna do next episode, which is supposed to be as we know the crazy mind blowing episode where it just the pivot turns everything on its head. Yeah, oh man, I'll, I'm looking forward to to uh, discussing that with you when we get to it. Um, before we begin, of course, as always, want to thank you guys for checking us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash This American Horror Story, and of course uh, via email, um, This American Horror Story at gmail.com. And then the ratings and reviews uh, on iTunes. Those have been great. Um, they always are. We always appreciate them, and they've been coming in, and uh, we hope they continue to. Um, give us feedback and let us know what you think. It's sincerely appreciated. This season, I feel like we've gotten so many more people engaging with us and sending us notes and emails and Facebook messages. It's awesome. It is awesome. Well, I mean, we always highlight the, you know, cool community aspect, the the cult, the cult of American Horror Story, I guess you would call it. You know, everyone likes to come up with theories. You and I certainly do. So it's awesome yep. when we get everybody else involved. I love it. I think also, uh, real quick, sorry again about two episodes ago with the audio quality. It just... It sucked. Oh, and that happens every so often. Um, you know, we just wanted to get the episode to everybody without having to re-record it and, and right. make y'all have to wait. But thankfully, I think we got the issue under wraps and we're, we're back on track. Yep. So. Um, before we begin, tradition, what are, you, what are you drinking this evening? We are recording again after directly after the episode so we can enjoy a nice uh, nightcap. Exactly. I got a glass of Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, it's a little cold today, and I wanted some red wine. To, you know, I wasn't ready to do bourbon just yet. Mm. Plus, I'm a little tired from all the baseball I've been watching. So, it's a, a nice uh, tall glass of red wine is doing the thing for me tonight. What about you? Classy gentleman, you are. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I it is not too early for me to do bourbon. Um, and in fact, <laughs> I am drinking my classic American Horror Story drink, bourbon and cider. Uh, <sighs> this time with with some lime juice. Um, I, I read somewhere that that gave it a little bit of a zing, and I'm I'm enjoying it. Not bad. I like that. It's uh, that's really funny. I put um, uh, cider on the shopping list for this weekend because it started getting cold, and uh, and I knew I was gonna be drinking tonight, and that's exactly what I want to start drinking. It's my go-to. You know, it's it. a good one. 
Oh. Now, let's talk chapter five. Um, let's do it. Bef- uh, we got some great, uh, I guess you would call it intel, or, you know, we've or research kind of between now and last week where we had a couple people come to us and post, I think it was Jessica and Aaron, post on our Facebook page or send us messages about, um, there might have been some others too, a scene in season one from Murder House in which Billy Dean Howard actually discusses the community at Roanoke. Right. I forgot about this. And I want to kind of kick things off with this to keep in mind as we move forward and see if there, if we think there's kind of any interaction between season one and now. Um, whether this was just you know something they dropped in season one that they went back and decided they wanted to explore further, or whether there's a bigger connection here than we realize. Um, so just to kind of go over it, it's a scene in which Billy Dean Howard is talking to Violet and is explaining to her, you know, how to banish spirits from a house. There's only a really, you know, solid example of it from history happening back in 1590 with Roanoke Colony. And how this Roanoke colony disappeared and um, continued to like haunt and slaughter tribes in the area, and uh, ended up being cast away by an elder of a tribe who used a banishment curse. What he did is summon all a uh, bunch of different possessions that belonged to all these um, settlers, and. I think like burn them or destroy them while saying the word Croatoan. So that's they we see the first kind of um, reference to that. Reference to that. Of course, it was noted by another by one of our, our uh, listeners that Violet tries that later in in the murder house and it doesn't work. So it I, didn't work, did it? So uh, clearly, it's you think, know hasn't worked particularly well either now because it worked one time when Cricket did it. <laughs> Yeah, but then that blood moon came kind out, of. and it didn't really have any yeah. effect at all anymore. Right? Wasn't Constance there with Violet? Oh also yeah, mm-hmm. went, Constance right, is there. Just... Constance is there too. She's just kind of right. uh, refilling Billy Dean Howard's whiskey glass, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> that's, her that's great. Function. I, I, and I, I think, like it's been mentioned, and you've brought it up this a few times, that the connection to Murder House and who we think we still might see is Billy Dean Howard. In, in season six right now as a as a medium because it, in an interesting way she has such a small role Sarah Paulson did in season one and since then it's just grown and obviously now she's the centerpiece for American Horror Story so I think it's only like it's Ryan Murphy or Brad Falchuk giving due credit and more uh, airtime and FaceTime to Sarah Paulson from season one because it was a very it's a quiet character. She wasn't really in it that much. Absolutely. And now she is a bigger part of the universe, that character. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. And you know, it's if, always if fun. If that happens. Well, and it was fun when she appeared last season in Hotel and you kind of right. see these characters return. And, and like you said, she would be the most logical one to kind of fit in with the format of this season. That being said, the format seems like it's, it might switch now. So um, we'll see. We open here with Doris Kearns Goodwin. Famous historian. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a constant guest on the Colbert Report, one of my favorites. She wrote the book Team of Rivals about Abraham Lincoln, which was the model for the Spielberg movie Lincoln. Um, it's actually really, really funny for a like, Pulitzer Prize winning historian. Yeah. Uh, and she, she gives the back, the Mott backstory, basically, of the house that's happening. And here we get uh, Evan Peters finally. Um, finally. I think Brian Murphy tweeted about it a day or two ago and said... Evan Peters will be in episode six, not as a producer. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I've got a few questions for you based on, or, or kind of mm-hmm. based on his story. Um, first of all, I was going to ask, did you did you know who the actor is who played his lover, Guinness? I wasn't sure. I, I didn't know, and I, I did not look him up, actually. That's... Yeah, I didn't recognize him. Um, apparently, Evan Peters, though, is making a niche for himself playing uh, dead old crazy dudes with accents. <laughs> And he does a great job, I think. I thought he was awesome in this episode. He was he was entertaining. He, he does kind of the over-the-top thing. They must recognize that when he was, you know, the hotel owner from last season. I, right. So I, he's turning into a really good actor, I think. Certainly improved upon um, Kyle from uh, Freak Show, but I'd like to think that wasn't his fault. That was just a poorly written character for him. I think it's definitely showing that, shown that now that he is good. He just had a really shitty character in two or three of those seasons no anyway yeah so let's talk about to see him it was great to see him let's talk about edward mott for a minute um obviously early ancestor of dandy mott uh Mm -hmm. they even mention mention that later when doris kring goodwin says oh his last descendant dies in a house in florida florida Um, 1953 you know he he loves art he has what for the time would have been an illicit relationship um, not just because it's a gay relationship, but an interracial relationship, which is partly why with he, a slave, yeah, which is so all sorts of stuff going on there are political, cultural taboos at the time, which he then takes mm-hmm. to the woods and tries to isolate himself. Um, is you know has a very intense passion for art. Um, built these tunnels underneath in case he needed to move the paintings out of the house. I want to know what you made of his story. Was it what you expected? What stood out to you? Um, a classic American horror story situation where we get a back a backstory of a character we've never met before. Fortunately, this, this person was referenced at least uh, when they talked about the creation of the building, so that's it's not completely out of the blue or out of left field. Um, but I thought it was a short little vignette of of this the beginning of the home, um, but obviously not the begin the beginning of the home in the context of people who lived in this area. Because I, I assume until this happened, the, the 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 colony they were just the only people there, right? Mm-hmm. Not until not until this house was built did anyone show up. But then also I kind of got confused because then. Why did they have to sacrifice someone on these blood moons? But no one had been there before, mm-hmm. you know. So that was a little, a bit of a hole for me. But anyway, the story—it was a quick story. We banged through all the all the narrative points that they wanted to hit. Here's our character. He, he built it. Social anxiety. Wanted to be, isolate himself, which makes sense of why this beautiful home is in the middle of nowhere. Um, has. Like he loves his art because his art doesn't judge him for his for his social anxiety probably, but also because of his gay relationship and his relationship with a person of color, where where everyone else would judge him for that. So uh, he he comes across as a, a compelling character to a progressive twenty sixteen audience. I think. What did you think about him? I agree, and I wonder if there was some subtext there in his in kind of what you just expressed about his, um, you know, his admiration for. This create art is like a creative outlet and that sort of thing. I mean, that maybe mm-hmm. you know, often we've seen Ryan Murphy and Brad Felch kind of 
insert their beliefs in one form or another into the show. And I mean, you know, it seemed like a little bit of a digression enough to make me wonder if that was them kind of speaking of their art form as a an outlet of some kind. Um, that's a, that's interesting. Yeah. That being said, these paintings, of course, then get destroyed. Um, by the butcher, although he doesn't really know that at the time. He kind of goes a little bit nuts, and I, I think maybe we're supposed to see hints of Dandy here and kind of his explosive anger, but, you know, he's not nearly as unhinged as Dandy, which actually surprised me. But then again, maybe this is because leading up to this point, um, you know, Dandy supposedly had a lot of incest in his family. At the same time, you know, we don't hear anything, any talk of... So was he descendants? He, yeah, I was gonna say was he he must have been, he was he married before and then left his wife to run to the yeah, property? Yeah, because they they say he left his wife and his young child. Yeah, so yeah, that's there right. is okay. a descendant. So that's the descendant. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, otherwise, it would have been like maybe it was an uncle, but yeah, I think I think he is the direct lineage of Dandy. Mm-hmm. But not as inbred. <laughs> right. Uh, br- like pretty gruesome. Um. Oof. Well, this whole episode was very gruesome, but uh, him locking up all the all the girls downstairs in the basement and then like starving to death in the cellar uh, was pretty. That was yeah. That was one part where I felt I, I'm curious about how you felt about this because he come, he's supposed to be you know obviously a, a, a compelling character in the sense that he's a good guy in quotation marks because he tries to help save the Miller family. Um, but yet he's not. He he did this really awful, I mean, awful thing. It made me wonder if we were, well, he obviously, it was an awful thing regardless. Maybe he didn't actually intend for them to die, because, you know, obviously he was killed and then they got left there. But regardless, yeah, he put a bunch of, like, nude women in a cellar with no food. After, so, like, punching one of them. Too. Yeah, that's yeah, totally. I mean, he was very abusive. I I think that it's pretty clear that he. Uh, they could have shown him flawed, but not that much of an a hole. I think. I don't know. I I don't know. Maybe I'm just reading too hard into it because I, I wanted to like one of the ghosts, but, and he was the most likable one, I guess. Yeah, a little bit bipolar. I mean, he clearly had good positive attributes but at the same time had the ability to fly off the handle especially in, Which, in all you know related to this exact um obsessive love of art really yeah and the fact that his descendant is is crazy that maybe this is just the hints of that, that those cracks before it gets passed down a few generations but yeah anyway right very interesting approach to see you know a descendant of him as you know dandy is almost a kind of foreshadowing for Edward and think about the family line in, in, in that in, in that way. Um, I do have to say, yeah, he wasn't quite what I expected when we had heard that we were going to get a dandy kind of fam- familial origin story this season. Um, I think here, this is the negative part of me coming through, but I do feel like I, I wanted to ask you this, like, what was the point of this character? Having Evan Peters do something wacky, I guess. I, exactly. I think I, they were just like a, it was an actor servicing type thing. Uh, you could have had one of the hunts, hunter people be like a good guy, or or the 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 um, was it uh, the Korean? I forget the family. The, I think uh, yeah, I think they were Korean. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the, them or or the nurses. I don't know. Someone could have been nice, but this 
this is where we have like too many ghosts happening and this one just felt extraneous and forced even though i liked the story and um, we hadn't seen them yet yeah you know they like these little tangential yeah vignettes, i'm just but... happy we didn't spend a whole episode with this and that so it, it worked it, it just felt like i it was unnecessary even though I liked it, it was just unnecessary for the story. But then again, in theory, couldn't that have been said for Cricket, for like a lot of yeah. these characters, actually? I mean, in retrospect, yeah. there was a lot of futility in this episode of like people trying to help and then failing, which is kind of what happens with him, too, because he essentially just leads them directly to the yeah. pokes, which I wondered well, almost yeah. if that was intentional or if that was, you know. I No, because I think he said, he did, I, I think he assumed that what, the way he phrased it was, you know, better to die somewhere quiet and in peace than like burned at the stake in front of a group of people. Yeah. And he's like, that's better than like, I got you this far. And at least here you'll die in the woods quietly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just didn't want them to die at the location of the house because there was already plenty enough souls there. And that was too much for his social anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that was kind of a funny premise. It was funny. Yeah. Uh, anyway. I thought it was interesting. I, I kind of liked it though, how we, you know, see Edward looking out the window about to be, you know, sacrificed by the mob. And then we transition to modern day where Matt and Shelby are pretty much in the exact same, same situation. situation. Yeah. Yeah. I liked that. Uh, just a couple things of, of note here. Um, of course, this is all during the Blood Moon, which is uh, traditionally a sign of the apocalypse, actually, the Blood Moon. Uh, or it's That's the imagery of it, which goes back to the Bible, which I thought was kind of interesting. And, of course, always has connotations in terms of when there's a full moon, people kind of go a little bit crazy. Yep. Uh, I wanted to also talk to you about the creature from the grudge that kind of fell from the ceiling right that scared the shit out of me that was super unexpected and I, 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 oh god it was really well done i i've goosebumps right now thinking about it Whew. but that was this is not a ghost that's just another random ghost we didn't know was there right I, and was there one or two of them i thought there was just one okay there was um, one. I, from, and like crawling up the wall and like oh so like that that scared me you've seen the grudge right Oh, for sure, yeah. And I immediately wrote down The Grudge. Right. So those ghost creatures from The Grudge are called, I I don't know how you exactly pronounce it, it's like Onryo or something like that, O-N-R-Y-O, but it's like the O with a line over it. And they're, you know, it's a traditional Japanese concept where you've got like this vengeful spirit, this wrathful spirit that kind of haunts people. And so I thought that that was just a little bit odd to have it like drop in kind of out of nowhere and just play this little cameo. Yeah, and like to not to be, I, I mean, I, I don't know how to phrase this without making it sound like I might be, but like not to be racist, but like I assumed did like the one family who we don't see the Asian family who were ghosts is that what their thing is? I don't think so, right? I no, I because we saw them. Yeah, that's the only thing I could make sense of. Like, why all of a sudden are we having this Asian horror inspired? ghost there which is scary don't get me wrong but it just what wh- where is this from I, I i kind of agree with you where i was thinking for a minute like so did um you know the writers just get their asian cultures folklore wrong for right. that tradition i'm you know i don't know <laughs> um i liked it but I, it, it was it was definitely no it was definitely creepy and maybe yeah. we'll see Oof. maybe we'll see more of it later i don't know um but, it, you know, it didn't really serve much of a function either just to kind of drag floor around the house a yeah. little bit. Oh, God, when the hand went down, though, and just, like, snatched her up, I was like, ah! Yeah. yeah. I, I, I jumped. 
yeah. and then it was like crawling around like all creepy and like with the head cocked and then when it crawled up the the side of the door and like ooh, that was good yeah there was some good, was good directorial stuff in this episode i thought that the light playing off of um edward mott's like make Love white makeup that. face the was ghost. really creepy in the like in the tunnel and when they're in the forest director for this episode was nelson craig and the writer was akila cooper who i don't think have done very many episodes for american horror story i'm sure i might be wrong i'm not recognizing that director's name certainly right um has alfonso gomez rejon done any or has he gotten too big now i think he's too big now i don't think he's done anything this season nothing this season that i've seen Mm -hmm. and we would we would have a good feeling if we saw if it was he has such a distinct style uh i don't did he i don't did he do any in hotel i'm trying to remember I don't think he did. I don't think he did because he started doing movies right after, um, uh, what was it? Not Coven. Asylum? He was he, he did tons of Asylum did, episodes. Yeah, he did a lot of Asylum. And I think he did one or two in Coven. And then I don't think he did any in um, the Freak Show, though, either. Right, right. I, at least I don't remember him. Yeah. Let's anyway. talk a little bit about the Pokes. Um, mm-hmm. I, so, okay, Francis Conroy, uh, unexpected. I don't think that I had So happy to it. see her. I love that. That was a good surprise. Yeah, so that was kind of fun to have her introduced. Like, what? What? Oh, she's always, we love her. She's so underrated. And uh, surprised to have Elias alive. And, you know, interestingly, I, I thought about this. You know, they're, obviously, they're kind of cannibals and, and turning him into jerky. But, you know, it fits with the whole butcher theme. They, like, carve him up like a pig i guess Point. and like take limbs and turn them into meat um real gross when his face gets smashed by Chaz bono <laughs> again this episode the gore level of this episode thus stepped it up i did not think they were going to show it and they did and it was they ugh, did it, it God, was so it was, crazy yeah it was nasty ugh, ugh. that i thought that scene was really kind of gave me the creeps too mama worked her magic very uh, texas chainsaw massacre yeah yeah we're getting these nods to all these Maybe they just wanted to fit a ton of different nods into as many different... To different horror movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As, as possible. Um, let's see. Yeah, I, okay. The, yeah, the meat was rancid. That was nasty. And then... So we find out that actually that they kind of work in tandem with the butcher. So we had thought maybe that they were like red herrings and they were actually good guys. Nope, not at all the case. They actually are uh, very much in league with the butcher and have just worked out kind of a deal where they help pick out human sacrifices although haven't um sorry haven't the i'm having some i'll issues. say your your backup my backup like is it's... beeping at me yeah um haven't the roanoke colony already had a number of human sacrifices by this point haven't they already had mason and cricket and i, I guess not quite i, a I agree he's not dead how many how many human sacrifices a lot do they of people need for died them? I, I that's the other thing. Yeah, I thought about that too. Like I think we've already covered this year's blood moon sacrifices, but apparently it's maybe they decided it was supposed to be I you know, I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Like Mason was even up on one of those wooden things and got the full the full production of a sacrifice. Right. So maybe they have to do it the way where they stick you through the like they did with uh, Edward Mott. Yeah, and they hold you over the fire instead of just stringing you up, and I don't know. That's yeah. when we start asking too many questions, and we find holes, and we're like, "Oh, maybe this episode wasn't as good as I thought it was." <laughs> I mean, there was—I think there are certainly entertaining things to this episode for sure. 
Um, yeah. Wouldn't be American Horror Story if there weren't questions about some holes, though. <laughs> it, true. So, yeah, the, um, the whole kind of semi-escape when they're driving... Uh, Matt and Shelby back when, and then when Shelby gets her ankle smashed is again another one of those oh. where I was like, I can't believe they showed that. Oh, Oof. so nasty, so gruesome, um, effective, <laughs> however, and I don't know. That was uh, at least the end of the pokes we saw for now, and they drop him back off only to have two things kind of happen simultaneously. Um, Ambrose, who had a great "Here's Johnny" shining moment early, earlier on when he like hacks through the door and like appears at them. Um, after 500 years or however long, decides he finally finds his conscious and decides he's going to tackle his mom into the fire. I like Wes Bentley to me is the weakest part of this season. He just is not. He's either phoning it in or just doesn't care because the the accent and like the acting. And then the character <laughs> written to just, like, decide enough is enough when I haven't seen any uh, inclination that he was trying to... He was wrestling with something. Yeah. With this choice. And it's not like and it's not like Flora was the first child they killed because Priscilla was killed way back... I guess that Priscilla was kind of a breaking point for him before. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, we could... If we were going to be... But then again, the, the Korean, they killed the Korean kids too, right? Exactly. So yeah. maybe he's just a racist and it's only... But then, yeah, but then she's a black like, kid. Why I, this yeah. family? It, yeah, it doesn't... His reason for breaking doesn't make any sense here. There there was one thing that happened um, when when um, Mama Polk uh, brings the, the Miller family back and Thomason, Ambrose's mom says something in like about like a mother should never whatever whatever her kid die or i think is what she she talked about like a mother should never see her kid die or something i think oh, that's what that, yeah that is what she said mm-hmm. and then you see and then the camera does go to ambrose's face and he has a little bit of a kind of a confusing perplexed because clutch. she killed him right exactly so you think that was maybe his recognition when he was like you're just I think that's what we're supposed to read into. So maybe, yeah, so maybe, right. like in what we're supposed to read into that is like he's thinking to himself that you know how she's acting is how you're supposed to act in yeah. reference to Francis Conroy, and he's like, "You just slaughtered me because the Woodwitch yeah, told you, you to." Right? We ate food or whatever. What was that fruit? Whatever kind of everyone... inca- incapacitating fruit of some kind, everyone. and then, yeah. then yeah, yeah. So maybe you're right. I think that's a good. That'd be a good read. Is maybe that's like what ignited that passion mm-hmm. in him. So, so that way it didn't seem completely out of nowhere. Right. <laughs> uh, at the same time, we have Lee jump in to kind of save the day after the policeman totally bails. <laughs> so maybe it made me wonder. I think if, like, he's in. He's in on it, right? That's that's what I had to think too. Is like yeah. maybe he knew what was happening all along. That he. He realized there was like no way to harness it, and so he didn't want to get caught up in it himself. Sees the Roanoke colony and gets the hell out of there. Right. Um, also, you know, we we get a little bit of you know Lee in the interrogation room and stuff like that, which seemed like we could have just skipped past that. Um, especially because she doesn't even seem to hold that grudge against Shelby afterward. <laughs> it's no, like, yeah, like that. Uh, uh, yeah, it was a little. We could have trimmed that fat. There's a few. There's a few places we could have trimmed here to make this a lot much tighter of an episode mm-hmm. all the pieces i think are there but there's a few extra pieces that just seemed a little unnecessary well evan peters jumps back in to cut them free <laughs> yeah uh the pigman gets hit with the car <laughs> it's like... yeah yeah uh and it, it all ends kind of quickly really um it, and, and it's super quick yeah 
And then, you know, we're we're in the motel room and we get like a, a dream sequence, basically, where it's like, oh, maybe. Time. Well, yeah, as soon as she said, I'm going to go take a shower or whatever. And he's like, you shouldn't do that. And I was like, don't do it, Shelby. Don't do it. This is when things happen. I thought Tom, yeah, that there was going to be some great twist there where Thomason was really going to hack Shelby's head open and that yeah. was going to be the end of things somehow. But apparently it's just a dream. So it's a dream that she continues to have. I wonder if she was ever able to walk again. <laughs> how that ankle. I know. That, that's one thing. I, I wish we could have seen like a full picture of Lily Rabe to see, like, is she in a wheelchair? Or So here's the thing that I'm going to ask you is, so did you see the episode preview for next season or for the yes. next episode? Is this storyline completely over with? I wanted to ask you that too. I was like, "Are the Miller family is the Miller family done? Is that it? You know, I'm not sure. They still clearly... so they still called it Roanoke, right? So, but is this like a different? You know, I, I don't think it is because it's what I read was one through six is supposed to be a story, seven through nine is its kind of its own story, and then ten is its own story. They're all connected, but and related, <sighs> but like it's. That it's separated that way. So strange. So it, so this kind of blows some theories that people had sent to us about, and, and we had contemplated about what the actual scenario, you know, we were thinking there was some twist to Matt and Shelby's story. I know that there was a good mm-hmm. theory out there that maybe Matt and Shelby had been dead the entire time. Right. Um, I started to question that, especially when we saw, started to see, like, definitely when we saw Doris Kearns Goodwin be interviewed, and that was like, well, she's not supposed to be dead. But we even had the Uber driver and some people who was maybe yeah. less likely they were dead. Um, you know, there was theories out there that Matt and Shelby ran off and became characters in another season and, you know, maybe went to the murder house and brought went back to L.A. and brought the characters with them or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like if this this is the end, I don't know. There's There's a lot of... I, I feel like we haven't seen the last of the Woodwitch because she wasn't in this episode whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so to make sure we're kind of on the same page, the theory here is that we're continuing with the Roanoke Colony, but maybe Matt and Shelby's story's finished. Is I that your understanding? So. so I think so. So that being the case, we're saying we could still see the Woodwitch again. We could still see. We could. We could I, Evan Peters could be back as uh, Mott again. Mott, we could yeah. still see Thomason and Ambrose back again. Which would make sense why we were introduced to some of these characters only so briefly maybe they will be back right um but as far as the main characters and the main cast the only person we haven't seen is cheyenne jackson who was in the preview for the next who's in the preview for episode six so it sounds like he's probably going to be kind of like um well i guess it was very ensemble this first season between Sarah Paulson and yeah. Cuba and stuff like that. He might be kind of the star of this next upcoming section. Although we still section. haven't seen Matt Bomber, Bomer too, right? I mean, I, I had it, his name wasn't in the credits. His name isn't in the credits, so maybe he isn't in this season. I thought we had heard that at one point. I thought we had heard that too. Hmm. But I mean, who knows? Frances Conroy wasn't promoted anywhere, and she she the, she was a guest star role. True, special guest star, yeah. Which I think is how they had built Lady Gaga as well. So yeah. You know that that gives them the nice advantage where they can you know surprise us with people we didn't necessarily expect to see, which is I like. Yeah. So this new, you know, whatever's happening next, this is supposed to be the beginning, apparently, of like a, a a new narrative format that could be carried on in future seasons. Is what they've kind of previewed. Do you have any theories about what that could look like? Like the Cheyenne Jackson stuff, or. 
I wasn't sure if they meant that, you know, it was starting this season where we would see a new narrative format that could be carried on, or if that was starting next season. You know, this the way it was almost feeling to me. Have you watched any of like the VHS movies where it's like, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, anthology style. Yeah, so I'm wondering if that's kind of what we're going for here, is maybe there's still like an overarching theme, but we're doing kind of like an anthology style um, take where each season is maybe multiple stories about, you know, one overarching topic. Right. Which I don't, I think that could be a compelling way to, way to go, because certainly what I think I appreciate most about this season is that there wasn't so many characters that we were follow, you know, so many main primary characters that we had like all these storylines that were really, uh, I don't know, not not serviced well. Right, right. I agree. So it that could be. It very well could be. I don't know. So that being said, a couple couple questions I have for you, kind of to Tap. wrap this first half of the season up. Um, where so any theories about what from what we saw from the episode preview of next, what's coming up? Where is the next piece going? I, I, my mind, I, I racked my brain to figure that out. I, I don't think we've seen the end of the Millers just yet. I think we will see them next episode. Maybe we won't see the actors, or maybe we'll only see the actors, not the IRL uh, um, people, or maybe we'll see the IRL people and not the uh, the the actors. But I mean, the biggest question I was trying to figure out is where is Cheyenne Jackson? Like I was, I replayed it to see wh- like where, what location is he at? It looks like there's a waiting room, uh, like an office. So my mind thought maybe he's going to where they're filming this documentary um, or interviewing the IRL people. That's an idea. Um, but he tells the cameraman like keep running. So it keep the camera running. Made it sound happens. to me like a hidden camera kind of thing. Is that what yeah, you... like he's gonna go catch someone in the act of something, mm-hmm. you know? So the, maybe they're lying. <laughs> a compelling point here too is that if he is revisiting Roanoke from the like IRL perspective and not through this documentary format, as far as we're, we've been led to believe, Kathy Bates, uh, Evan Peters. All these Dennis people are just hair. actors. They're not actually yep. the people it really happened to. Right. right. Which would complicate things if we continue their characters right. somehow. Right, exactly. So I don't, you know. I, I mean, it, it, he, he, it definitely is like a, a gotcha type of a show. He seems to be like cheaters or, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that where he's trying to catch people doing something. And that's like, keep the camera rolling. Or he's trying to catch something that shouldn't be happening or that he'll get stopped from filming. Right. So I don't know if like he's trying to sneak up tack on this production or, or what, but I, I, I don't think we're completely done. There, there was resolution to the Millers getting away, but there has to be a little like prologue or something like that or epilogue. Yeah. Um, about, uh, you know, what happened and where they are now. Yeah. It, it just seemed, it did seem a little abrupt if that is really the end of everything. Yeah, I mean, I liked it was a, it was a great final like super fast escape and you know one idea is that maybe episodes six through nine we go on this Shane Jackson thing and then episode ten we somehow come back to the documentary mm-hmm. and like review absolutely somehow it incorporates what happened in those those interstitial episodes. Yeah, that that could definitely work. Yeah, hmm. yeah, where we 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 jump to a different like storyline for 
two to three episodes as it builds to intersecting with uh, the Millers. And maybe episode 10 kind of is that epilogue. Right. We kind of got an epilogue in Hotel, really, because most of the really eventful mm-hmm. things happened in episode... Uh, Nine or 11, 11. 12. I mean, whatever the you know penultimate the episode penultimate, was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then you know we cut the Billy Dean Howard and kind of the seance right. in the last episode. Right, right. Yeah. Same thing with kind of, I think with Asylum was a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a, a final scare at the end where, you know, uh, what's her name? Uh, Lana. Lana gets confronted by her evil son. Son, yeah. But most of, most of the escape stuff happened the episode before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's one, that's a theory. I feel, you know, I feel like they're not giving us much to go on, so this is all real just conjecture. <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, another question I wanted to ask is after you saw, so first five episodes, who's the mid-season MVP for you so far? Ooh, good question. Hmm. 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 I mean, I really feel like Sarah Paulson is doing a fantastic job. I mean, if she's legitimately playing an actor, playing a role she sells it like it's like really happening so obviously she should win an emmy for her role playing shelby shelby miller (laughs) in the world of american horror story but then she should also win an emmy for playing a woman playing shelby miller in our real world here i think she's really great i mean i she's she's incredible Mm -hmm. so i I would probably say her i i think cuba gooding jr's done a great job like, he like has, early on we were kind of worried because he didn't have much to do and you know he's not always the most likable guy and or makes the right choices but he he's doing a good job Cuba Gooding Jr. is I think and then our IRL people too are doing a good job even though they're overused <laughs> agreed what do you think who do you think it is I think that, I mean it's hard not to you know it's hard to argue against anybody but um Sarah Paulson because she is just kind of has emerged so much as a star, you know. Absolutely. Um, I do want to give specific props. You know, Cuba Gooding has been good, and Lily Rabe's always fun to have. But I thought that, um, oh, uh, Andre Holland, Andre Holland, you like who? You who's like IRL man? Mm-hmm. I I think he does a very good job of. He, I, I when I hear him talk, I really feel as if he's somebody who this happened to, but he's relaying. You know, it, it feels very realistic to me in that sense. Yeah, um, yeah. When I see Lily Rabe do her stuff, she's really good at it. But I feel like it's an actor doing it, right? And like doing a great job. But like you're right, the real life Matt or IRL Matt, he comes across as like it may have actually happened to him because maybe it's because he's not as familiar to me as an actor. Well, helps. but I mean, but at the same time, even the actor actress who plays Lee, she's IRL Lee. I think she's mm-hmm. fine, but I just don't, you know. I yeah. think that he, I, I think he's been, he's been a solid addition to to this season, yeah. and I appreciate that. It reminds me, Angela Bassett too. She's doing a great job, and she kind of has more of a cliche role of the the, the mom with the kid missing, but it's nice to see. I mean, she she's playing a different type of character than than I feel like they've had her play in the past, which generally has been you know the sassy black woman stereotype. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's playing this like tough former cop, addiction issues, divorced mom, 
who lost her child because like it's a much more complex character than she's had in the past i think and and i think she's doing she's great i think she's really great i agree and i think that there's a lot of props to kind of the more cameo roles we've had from you know evan evan peters to Mm -hmm. You know Leslie Jordan as Cricket, and even Francis you know, Conroy, Dennis O'Hare, Francis Conroy. Yeah, I do think they're all great. I do think I want to give specific props to Kathy Bates though, because I think she's been yes. sincerely creepy as Thomason and done a very good job. Absolutely, um, I agree. I think I, you know, again, Lady Gaga's uh, cameos were good too, but Kathy Bates in particular, I think, has done a really solid job. Makes like her accents are very, I you know, I don't know where she found like a perfect. <laughs> You know, puritanical time accent, but it seems very like it's very believable to me. Uh, it's solid, which is so funny because I think yeah. that you know, maybe maybe that's what as a contrast makes um, West Bentley kind of stick out as the sore thumb, who's like the guy who's like, eh, you're really. I think he yeah. he's probably the if if you know MVP terms we're talking Sarah Paulson, Kathy Bates, and Andre Holland. I would say West Bentley is uh, on the other LVP. end of that spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, maybe he's really trying hard. I don't know. It to be fair, it's not like Ambrose got a whole lot of solid. Yeah, he's. Backstory. It's it's not a great character, really. It almost seems like an unnecessary character that was created just so. And is not a could. fun unnecessary character like you know Edward Ma. Yeah, it was so someone can double cross Kathy Bates Thomason in the end. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, interesting to see how things carry on obviously in the rest of the season and where Roanoke if it is indeed still Roanoke goes from here yep I'm sure we'll hear a lot of theories I cannot and, wait till next week yeah I'm so a lot of stuff's gonna get leaked between now and then and obviously they've kept this so under wraps and again yeah have built it up so much since like his beginning like it's begun that something big is happening here and it's gonna yep. turn it all on its head that like <laughs> like we talked about last week got big expectations um so give me a final kind of uh, appraisal of this yeah. episode. Um, halfway uh, through this season, I I'm still really into the the concept of how they're doing this um, this this season, which is a lot different. Obviously, um, it definitely had a few holes in the episode as as we pointed out, um, but uh, it was really thrilling kind of finish to to get see the Millers escape. You know, I that you think they're on their way out and then they get then they get stopped by the cannabis growing cannibals uh and then they get taken back and the, you know then the the gore level was was amped up a bit in this episode I, I overall it was really fun does it all make sense of why things why characters acted the way they did and why certain um events transpired when they don't don't, don't seem like they should be happening like the sacrifices are already handled whatever Looking past those, it was still super fun. I really liked the episode. I would give this one, especially because I was scared, uh, a solid four severed pig heads. Nice. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, I was scared. I think... the the grudge thing was so creepy to me anyway what do you what do you give it you know i think you really hit the nail on the head just with when you say that this episode was was a lot of fun you know i think that like you said there was plot holes but because the you know the character for instance of edward mott was was entertaining i was able to overlook his essential i don't know (laughs) a necessity yeah exactly (laughs) And the, you know, and the same with like Ambrose's weird 
you know, to, yeah. it's like you can, it helps you buy into those things more. Um, that we had, yeah, kind of a such a strange path, and you know, Francis Conroy was a fun, uh, oh, interesting, a um, creepy as hell uh, cameo that was unexpected, obviously coming in there as well. And the way they kind of left things off, um, hmm. I'm, I'm try- excited. I'm trying to think I've never th- yeah. had no idea. I'm trying to ask myself, like, am I satisfied with the end of the Miller story? Mm-hmm. And in some ways, uh, you know, I do think that their ending, their escape was dramatic and all that stuff. But I do feel like, I do feel like there's something like more to it. Like we're, we're not done. That's that. not, I, I agree with you. I feel like this maybe isn't the last we've seen of them. Um, it seems like there's something else, and I'm curious to see. You know, we still have five more episodes left, which really, if, I mean, yeah, isn't that much really. But that being said, I yeah, I think that whatever happens next is going to be thrilling, and it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about next week. So what with that being it? said, I also give it four. I give it four as well. It's a solid right. eight severed pig heads. That's a solid fun night. That's a family meal, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, some of that head cheese. Ugh. Gross. Gross. <laughs> All righty, folks. Um, Chris, <laughs> up until uh, till next week when we unpack whatever the hell happens. A crazy episode. <laughs> Between well, now and be. then, uh, where can people follow you? Twitter, Instagram, at Chris Husted. Chris with a K. Uh, and I'm also on Snapchat, the Chris Husted. What about you, Tyler? Snapchat impresario you are. You can find me <laughs> on Twitter at TJMoss11. Uh, we thank you guys for following us. Check us out on Facebook and Gmail, as always. Um, and until next time, guys, uh, bring on the theories and happy onyx. Bye.